Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show. Hour number two, 704-570-1110. Or you can call 1-800-WBT-1110. Or you can email Pete at the Pete Callender Show. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at Pete Callender, and that's Callender with a K. Uh, in the last hour, I was going over the uh, the Nazi invasion of Florida. Uh, there were uh, There were ones of them. If they are actually even Nazis, which I have my doubts, I am skeptical. I'm not calling anyone a liar. I feel like I need to say this because the last time I expressed skepticism in the case of the uh, the 10 year old rape victim, because certain things had not certain elements of the story had not been uh, reported or or uh, bars satisfied, that sort of thing. So I, I feel the need to point this out. I don't know if they were actually Nazis, but I am skeptical of the initial reporting. OK. As Vince Coakley says, and he is so correct when he does, do not hear what I am not saying. <laughs> it's a great line. Scott replies, uh, sends an email rather to Pete at the Pete Callender Show. The Nazi talk is probably the dumbest and most desperate attempt to discredit Ron DeSantis I have heard lately from these losers. Good grief. How does that show remain on the air? Uh, love the program, Pete. Thank you very much, Scott. I appreciate it. Um, well, I mean, it, it takes a long time for for terrible content that checks the the, the woke boxes uh, it takes a long time for them to get kicked off a platform as i mentioned multiple times Samantha B's show she literally reads talking points from the democratic party well i shouldn't say reads them she screams them into the camera just standing there for like 30 minutes just standing staring at a camera yelling at the cameraman these talking points. And I have no idea how it lasted as long as it did. It's like seven years it was on the air. I mean, not as long as not as long as I tend to last at each of my gigs on the air, but I'm not I'm not comparing myself to <laughs> to a comedy centralist. Um there was another email here. And I want to read it just in case the boss is listening. Pete! You completely crack me up on a daily basis. I literally laugh out loud by myself to myself listening to you. You are so dead right about most everything, and I love the sarcasm. Wait, what sarcasm? What are you talking about? Do I come across as sarcastic? Most liberals, really most people, are nuts, and you pointed out so eloquently. Keep doing what you're doing. Just don't use my name on the air. On the air. I know people. Thanks for speaking the truth. Signed, somebody. No, it's not my mother <clears throat> or my wife, somebody I don't know. All right, Brian has a comment on the Nazis in Florida. Brian, welcome to the program. What's going on? Thanks, Pete. Hey. Thanks, Pete. Just a quick comment on uh, the Nazi group and the yeah. view and Joe Bear. Does it seem to you that this is all kind of coordinated and they have a script written and then they, when they go to air... It's all. It, it all seems so coordinated to me with several groups. So it's so coordinated by uh, you mean the the media talking heads here. Well, I don't want to sound far out there, but but how do they get this all? It to get the information, get it on camera, then have a script ready to to, to speak, and then they play their part. There, well, uh, well, there you go. You just said it, Brian. You just said it. They all they all play their part. So 
the so the the LARPers that show up outside pretending to be Nazis, or maybe they actually were real Nazis that were there that were just unable to articulate anything remotely uh, resembling Nazism. Uh, but maybe they actually were. So they they know that if they go there, their mere presence, they don't have to say anything because that was remember the the other group that showed up at the Glenn Youngkin rally. And they yeah. did the same yeah. thing. They never spoke to the media either, if I recall correctly. They just stood there. And so they that's their part. That's the role they need to play. Just show up and don't say anything and then leave. And we'll get all the pictures and then that's all that's necessary. And then someone else, like Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg, right? They know the, yeah. the role that they need to play. They don't – this was uh, – I remember uh, during uh, the Obama uh, administration when – uh, you know, people would would mock and ridicule Tea Party organizations and such uh, at the notion that there was some sort of marching order or directive or memo that went out instructing people how to treat the Tea Party groups uh, you know, over at the IRS. And no, you don't need a memo to go out. They, Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg did not need a memo to go out. They already know the role that they're supposed to play. They're supposed to yeah. weaponize everything against DeSantis. I got it. Yeah. That's yeah. It. That's it. You don't even need some grand coordination. It's just people doing the things that they normally do. And just like with Trump, once you start, you know, seeing everything through that same prism, you can't see anything any other way. So that becomes your role. You're one dimensional. It's pretty sad. So perfect. All right, Brian. Appreciate it, man. Good to hear from you. All right, take it easy. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. I, like, I honestly don't believe that there is a that there's somebody up at the top coordinating, all right, now we're going to have Joy Behar respond. They don't need to get that granular. Just like Obama didn't need to send a memo to Lois Lerner or to the, the field office in Cincinnati, right? They didn't need to send the memo to say, do this. He just got up and gave a speech and ripped on the Supreme Court. And ripped on Citizens United and said this is going to corrupt all of our politics. And we got all these groups. People people knew what he was saying. They acted on it. They were they were empowered to do so. They had the official positions to make stuff happen. And they could then take it upon themselves to fight for the cause. That's what you it's the it's sort of uh, in line with, you know, Limbaugh or uh, yeah, or it was called the Bubba effect. I think it was actually Glenn Beck would talk about this. The Bubba effect. He wasn't the first one. He didn't come up with that with that name. But people who then who who eventually take things matters into their own hands because you know the people that are supposed to be doing it, the institutions, the agencies that are supposed to be doing things are not doing them, or they become so corrupted that now people have to take matters into their own hands. And when you're in the you're in the bureaucracy and you hear the president saying that this is a threat to the democracy, well, let me do the president a solid, and I'm going to help him out. I'm going to advance the ball. So all of this is part and parcel with a, a story that came out at Axios. It's based on a, a, a survey based on, uh, I think it's Pew. Engagement with, no, no, sorry, this is their own thing. Yeah, this is their own deal. Um, engagement with news content plunged during the first half of the year compared to the first half of the year of 2021. And in some cases, it's now even lower than the news engagement was before the pandemic. So what's happening? What do you think is happening? All righty. So Axios.com 
Story written by Sarah Fisher and Neil Rothschild. <gasps> oh, do you think he's part of the conspiracy? Yeah, probably not. But maybe. Engagement with news content has plunged during the first half of this year compared to the first half of 2021. And in some cases, it is lower than the pre-pandemic levels. And uh, this is the way Axios writes. It's called explanatory journalism. It's basically, uh, we're going to give you one sentence because your attention span is so destroyed by uh, media. But whatever. Americans have grown exhausted. They say, why it matters. Americans have grown exhausted from the constant barrage of bad headlines that have been re- uh, that have replaced Trump-era crises, scandals, and tweets. <laughs> Americans have grown exhausted from the constant barrage of bad headlines that replaced the Trump-era crises, scandals, and tweets. So we are to believe that the bad headlines about all things that have nothing to do with Trump and obviously nothing to do with Joe Biden. This has just been, oh, all the bad headlines, just bad stuff is happening. But during the Trump era, all the crises, the scandals and the tweets, people just gobbled it all up. But now they're exhausted? Really? Interesting. The level of news consumption in 2021 took a nosedive following historic highs in 2020, which makes sense, obviously, because... You had the pandemic, and all of a sudden people were afraid they were going to die if they breathed, right? So they kind of dropped off a little bit. The war in Ukraine, a series of deadly mass shootings, the January 6th hearings, mm-hmm. and the Supreme Court's revocation of abortion rights haven't been able to capture the same level of attention. All of these things, they can't somehow or another break through with enough people quite like the direct threat of death. From COVID did. It's just, it's a brain buster. I don't know. Cable viewership across the three major cable news networks, CNN, Fox, and MSNBC, is on average down 19%. <laughs> well, it's down 19% if you include Fox News in there. If you take Fox out, it's down way more because Fox was actually up. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, guys, I think this is called Trump withdrawal. That's what's happening to you. You had you fed your audience a steady diet of Trump rage. And when Trump went away, now you got nothing. News app sessions for the 12 uh, top 12 mainstream most trafficked publishers dropped 16 percent. Website visits for the top five news websites. uh, They dropped 18 percent engagement in social media. With news articles cratered, dropping 50%. The steep drop-off in social media engagement with news was likely influenced by Facebook's de-emphasizing news in the news feed. Did you know that they did that? Yeah. So if you've been relying on Facebook to pimp your news content, you got screwed. Yeah, it it moved all of its news, all the news stuff, it's moved over to its uh, news tab, which nobody ever looks at. Um, interest in the presidency has declined considerably under Biden compared to his predecessor, fueling some of the engagement declines. Survey data shows Americans have grown weary amid what feels like a never-ending cycle of bad news. And it's not even Trump's fault. Dang nabbit. Maybe... Just spitballing here. Maybe it's got something to do with this story. 
published at PewResearch.org. Journalists in the United States differ markedly from the general public in their views of both sidesism. What's both sidesism, Pete? Well, it's where journalists strive to give equal coverage to all sides of an issue. And I find that to be an inaccurate, if not incomplete, definition. It's not equal coverage. It's acknowledging that there is another side and expressing what that other side is or what it believes or its positions or its motivation, doing so accurately. Right? That's the key. It's not ignoring the other side, and it's not writing off the other side as a simple, uh, you know, postscript at the bottom of the story. Uh, you know, uh, Republicans don't uh, like the bill because uh, they're racist. Wh- whatever. That's the. That, so, but when you just say both sides and they should get equal coverage, they don't necessarily deserve equal coverage, depending on whatever the issue is, depending on what the focus of the story is and who you're interviewing and what data is released or current events. I mean, there's a lot of different things that go into this. But, but the key here is that it's almost half of reporters when compared to the number of Americans in general that say we don't need to cover both sides. Think about that. 76% of Americans say journalists should always strive to give every side equal coverage. 70, so three-quarters of the American public say you should strive to give equal coverage to both sides, to, the, to all sides of the story. And only 44% of reporters say that. That's a problem. That's a problem. You're supposed to be trying to present the arguments in good faith, but with skepticism. That's the job, guys. Present both sides in good faith, but with skepticism. That's what I would attempt to do. That's how I did the job when I did it here at WBT for all those years. Here's the problem. When you make that kind of determination, you're assuming that you know what is and isn't true. And most often, you don't. Reporters don't. Seriously. It is a problem. It's a pretty big problem. When you've got news engagement, Americans are tuning out. They don't care about the headlines. You're... Your scare tactics and fear mongering and panic porn doesn't it. That's the thing. It doesn't work so much. It's like drugs. It doesn't work as well later on as it did initially. You you know, first bumps free. And then after that, you got to keep taking more and more chase the dragon, right? To keep to get the high that you had the first time. And you, like, I don't know. I don't know what else. I mean, the monkeypox thing, it's just it's not it's just not working out like the like the covid thing did. You know, if they thought they were going to kind of. Like COVID two, the sequel. This time, this time it has a better name or something. I, I don't know. It's not. It's not really affecting a lot of people. I know people are affected. I'm not minimizing it, but it's not. You know, it's not a respiratory virus that's airborne that's being passed around, super contagious, and came out of a lab in China. I said it. So theoretically, allegedly, that's a problem. People are tuning out. They don't care what you're saying. And your response to that is to say, well, we shouldn't give them both sides. Could it be that people are actually starving to hear what the arguments are? Is that possible? Is it possible they want to know what the issue is? 
Maybe not. Look, I'm well aware. If it bleeds, it leads. If it's sex, it's next. I understand the reason why, uh, you know, media companies put particular content front and center is because they're appealing to the thing that people want to see and hear. I get it. I understand that. But especially in sort of the political and cultural uh, uh, reporting beats, you've got to be able to to identify the different players and the different uh, philosophies at play, and you need to be able to articulate them and convey them in good faith but with skepticism for both, for all, Right. If you're going to start, if you're going to start off from a position of I'm not going to give both sides of it, what does that mean? It means you've made a determination that one side is correct, one side has value. This argument is better, and I'm not going to give you the other argument. I tried to present the other argument. Now I will let you know that I disagree with it because I'm not a journalist, right? I'm a talk show host. Along these lines, Travis Fain, one of my favorite. Uh, targets here on uh, in North Carolina political media. Travis Fain is the it's one of the capital uh, reporters at uh, WRAL, which is owned by Capital Broadcast Company, which is the uh, you know Jim Goodman operation. He funds is a millionaire guy. He funds lots of leftist nonprofits, the Blueprint NC crowd. Uh, and then he went out and hired a former comms guy for two previous Democratic governors so he could write editorials on behalf of Capital Broadcast Company and speak as an institution for all things leftism. Okay, so Travis Fain works there, but totally separate from all of the stuff that the boss does. Okay, uh, Travis Fain, he puts out this uh, link to the story, contraception protections. You know where this is going, right? It was it was about the law, the bill that was run by uh, what's her face up in uh, D.C. They ran the bill, uh, Kathy Manning, I think. Democrat from North Carolina and Republicans voted against it. So he said, so Travis Fain goes on to Twitter and he says, have any of the, uh, have any of the all NC political house Republicans who voted against this bill weighed in publicly on why in this moment, you really must comment on a contraceptive rights bill from in-state colleague, right? So he's like really, really exorcised about this. He can't believe like, why wouldn't anybody comment on this? How dare you not comment? Why aren't you commenting? And Brent Woodcox, who's a general counsel over at the state Senate for uh, uh, Senate leader Phil Berger. Brent Woodcox says the bill overrides the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, RIFRA. So this bill that the Democrats are running overrides the RIFRA. And it would force states to fund Planned Parenthood. Those are two poison pills then make clear the bill is designed not to pass. Democrats could have passed a clean bill, but they chose not to do so, Travis. I threw in the last Travis. I, I, I threw that one. But they, obviously so. Obviously so. And I am, as I said on Twitter, I am perpetually impressed with journalists' inability to understand conservatives' principles. I'm as perpetually Impressed as I am with journalists' inability to detect progressives' political machinations. Right? They stick a poison pill into a bill, and Travis is like, I don't understand. Why would you oppose this? Okay, either you don't understand why conservatives might object to this bill, which maybe you didn't read, and that's why you're I don't know, that's why you're exhibiting this ignorance. You didn't read the bill. What's worse is that you did read the bill, 
And after reading the bill, you don't understand why conservatives would object to it. So you're like, I'm not a Twitter call out kind of a guy, which he absolutely is. Um, but I, I just need to know what, what's going on. How, how could you oppose this? It's proposed by one of your colleagues, a Democrat. Yeah, they're from North Carolina. That doesn't make them like, oh, well, you know, I'm a Republican, uh, but a Democrat colleague of mine just introduced a bill that all Republicans should die. So because we're from the same state, I guess I have to vote for it. This is insanity. That's not. It's stupidity. And it like I, I don't understand. Do you not under, do you not do you not have the chip in your brain that allows you to see the political motivation or machinations that Democrats engage in? Do you, are you just missing that? Or is is it something else? Is it that you're trying to goose out a comment from some of these elected officials that at this point don't take your calls? They don't respond to you, right? Nobody wants to talk to the McClatchy News organizations any longer at the federal level because the juice isn't worth the squeeze because... You don't understand conservative principles, and so you ask them all these stupid questions. And you you bait them with these defend or disavow games that you do not do for the other side. You treat them differently. This, quote, both sides-ism, right? You don't believe that they have uh, a, a, another uh, good-faith opinion or a good-faith uh, philosophy. You don't believe that, so you're not going to give them both sides. The only time they get a call from you is when you're looking to hammer them on something. So, no, they don't take your calls anymore, and they don't trust you. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe that's why Americans are tuning out. Maybe. Just spitballing here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, so I know there were a lot of people that were very uh, worried that Democrats are just going to get blown out in the upcoming election. People are very, very concerned about this. But then Vice President Kamala Harris took to the campaign trail, and she is really going to make an impact on these races. And uh, look, here she is. She's She's at a meeting of some sort today. I swear this is her. I'm watching the video of her. She's sitting at a table. She's got a mask on. There's other people at the table. It's some sort of an event going on. It doesn't matter what the event is. The key here is that this is the kind of messaging that's going to bring people to the Democrat uh, campaign. It's going to bring them to their cause. Uh, Good afternoon. I want to welcome these leaders for coming in to have this very important discussion um, about some of the most pressing issues of our time. Um, I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. That is a winning message, folks. See here, you thought Democrats were going to get blown out, but have they heard the vice president describing her pronouns? calling herself a woman and describing where she is sitting and what color suit she is wearing, what clothing she is attired in. There you go. She's going to start doing this all over the place. Blue wave people. I don't know what, I don't know what Democrats are worried about. Put this woman out on every single campaign stop. So on the uh, Pew Research Survey's uh, analysis of uh, journalists versus uh, Americans at large, and their views on reporting, basically. Younger journalists 
who say that they work at an outlet that has a left-leaning audience. Right, so basically like all of them. Well, I mean, obviously not because you would have. So I wonder, this would be a fascinating thing to uh, to pull the McClatchy reporters. Would they? How would they describe their audience? I know how I would describe the audience at WBT. It'd be right of center. Absolutely. This audience leans right. What do you think the observer audience does? Do they lean right oh, or, or lean left rather? Or are they centrist? Oh, no, they're just they're just moderates. Mm hmm. Anyway, young journalists who say that their audience is left-leaning, they are the most likely to say, we don't give equal coverage. It's not merited. Two-thirds say every side does not always deserve equal coverage. See, again, I may be nitpicking here. I don't like the question, though, because if I'm asked asked that question, I, I reject the idea that I have to give, quote, equal coverage. Equal coverage, because sometimes one side of the uh, argument is maybe a little bit more complex and the other side of the argument, they're just screaming slogans, you know, like the abortion debate. They're just screaming slogans. And the other side's like, well, no, here, here's, you know, when do rights attach? And if so, when you determine that, then you're going to have to have laws that flow from that. And what, like when you if you're actually going to have the debate, then you got one side that's trying to have this complex, nuanced debate that. That informs all of these other policy areas, and you have the others just like, my body, my choice, and that's all it is. So I wouldn't say that's equal coverage. Those who have been in the industry longer are more likely to support always striving for equal coverage. There's also a notable difference among journalists based on how they view the issue of made-up news and information. This is classic. This is classic. Get this. Almost six out of ten journalists who say made-up news is a very big problem for the nation today, Say most of them, 59% of those journalists say they don't need to do equal coverage. <laughs> right. Yeah. The ones who say made-up news is the biggest problem, they don't believe in doing equal, equal coverage, which I guess that's how they get snookered on all of these stories Russia collusion, Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation, the IRS isn't targeting Tea Partiers, the biggest scandal of Obama's era was a tan suit, right? Like, these are the same people, (laughs) and they're falling for this garbage all the time, and they're the ones like, we don't have to give both sides. The arrogance and ignorance all packaged together in one profession, it's amazing. Now... I understand I got. I have to say this because people think, oh, Pete, you're just bashing reporters and all this. Look, I used to be a reporter. I was one. I was one because I value the importance of the gig. This is why I'm so hard on the people who practice it. I got into reporting because I wanted to be a constitutional check on government. That was what motivated me to do it. That's why I wanted to be a reporter. I also realized that at age 22, nobody wanted to listen to what I had to say as a as a talk show host. <laughs> so I said, well, I better go do something to pay the bills until then. No, but I, I was a reporter for as long as I've been a to- oh, Actually, now I think I've been a host for a little bit longer, come to think of it. Maybe like a year now longer. But regardless, that's why I got into that line of work. It wasn't to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. No, it was a check on government. The free press, it is necessary 
It is necessary in our republic. It is necessary to to be guardians of the people's liberty. That was my view on it. It still is. And so when I see people that are giving a pass to all sorts of actors inside of government and all of the mistakes always go the same direction, I... I yeah I, I have disdain for you. I do. I have I have disrespect and disdain for that. Um, next up, journalists who see misinformation, made up news, they see it as less of a problem, um, or a moderately big problem, or a small small problem, or not a problem at all. They're they're evenly split. But get this: of the journalists who say made up news and information is a very uh, Sorry, overall, this is the overall number, sorry. Overall, 71% of journalists surveyed say made-up news and information is a very big problem. 71% say that. It's a very big problem. The made-up news is coming from inside the house. U.S. adults with less trust in the news are more likely to say journalists should always strive to cover all sides. Gee, I wonder why. People who... Trust the news industry the least, think that they should cover all sides equally. Do you think that their lack of trust has something to do with you not doing the job correctly? Republicans and independents who lean to the Republican Party, they are more likely than Democrats to say you should strive for equal coverage by about 20 percentage points. 